because we have a special guest in the house, all the way from some city in Japan. I don't even know where he lives, but Robert Smith, many of you who worship with us at South County years ago will remember Robert. He's here. He's vacationing from Japan, and he's not even listening, which is perfect of Robert. Spot on. He hasn't changed in 15 years. No, we're thrilled to have you, man. Good to see you. Glad you're here. Appreciate it much. Mark's over here. He's visiting with us. Appreciate you being with us. Don't want to call everybody out, but I, rem I know those two for sure. We're glad you're here. Appreciate you guys being with us today. We're going to look at a little bit of uh, information from the book of Corinthians. Um, let me ask you a question. By show of hands, how many of you have the ability, you know absolutely, emphatically, you know that if you had the opportunity, you could lead a Bible study today? Okay, not every hand went up. How many of you know, emphatically, absolutely, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if you had the opportunity to serve today in some capacity, maybe buying lunch for somebody, you could do that? Good. Where are we going? <laughs> Without a doubt, how many of you know that right now, if you needed to, you could hold someone's hand and you could say a prayer with them and lead them in a comforting prayer? Okay. How many of you, without a doubt, know emphatically, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, if you needed to, you could fix my car? <laughs> we got two people. All right. My car is not broken, so it's okay. I threw some crazy things out there. I threw some simple things out there simply because this morning I want to share a conversation with you about the fact that you and I have right now exactly everything that we need to do what God's called us to do. And I know some of you, when I make that statement, you're thinking like, Ed, you've lost your mind. I don't have the ability to do X, and then you fill in the blank of what X is. But I want you to think with me for just a minute, because the reality is you and I do have everything that we need right now to do what God is calling us to do. The biggest challenge that we face is sometimes we have these erroneous ideas or these mistaken ideas as to what God has called us to do. I shared in the adult class this morning with all of my heart, as much as I would like to think this is true, I know this not to be true. We are not all evangelists. Fair enough? Because not everyone raised their hand when I asked, can you lead a Bible study and bring someone to Christ? There are a couple of us in the room who know how to do this. Wait a minute, that's, that's not making enough noise. Hi, my name is Ed. I worship with the Mission Vale Church of Christ just in the neighborhood today. I thought I'd introduce myself. I'd love to invite you to come and worship with us on Sunday. We start at 9.30 with a Bible class. We'll have a worship service at 10.30. One of the unique things about our church is that on Sunday, we celebrate communion every time we come together. And I know that's a little bit different for a lot of people because a lot of folks don't do that, but maybe once a year. I'd love to have you come Sunday. Any of you ever done that? It's a two-letter, two-words two, two kind of combo together. It's called door-knocking. Or you do this. Wait a minute. Somebody keeps padding the pew. Hello. Hi, my name is Ed. What do you want? Or better yet, they just slam the door in your face. Have you ever had that happen? You know, those are wonderful experiences. But I'm just telling you straight up, most of you sitting in this room, you don't know how to do that. And I'm not here to teach you. Because not all of us were called to do that. We don't all have the gift of doing that. There were very few Apostle Pauls. Did you know that? There were very few. As a matter of fact, there was only one Apostle Paul. 
And he did what he did because God had, had, had gifted him and given him the things that he needed to do what he did. And he took the word to the Gentile world. There were very few Peters in the church, though some had probably some of the characteristics that we know about Peter, his, his impetuous spirit and his ability to say things and do things that were a little bit off the wall, somewhat similar to somebody bringing in a panda bear in service a while ago. That was a little different. But I was hoping to use it as one of my props. But I can't now. No, it's okay. You know what? Go get it, because I really could use it. Some of you are wondering why it takes three. When you see the size of this thing, you'll understand. Guys, we are all given gifts and abilities. The biggest challenge that we have is we don't think we're properly prepared to do that which God has called us to do. And my fear is that sometimes we have been, we've been mis mistaken and telling ourselves we've been called to do something that we haven't been called to do. Because I believe absolutely that God has given us exactly what we need to do what we need to do today. And I'm going to prove that to you by looking at the first nine verses of the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2, we are called to be holy together with all those everywhere who call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. We are called to be holy. What does the word holy mean in, in a general generic sense? It means to be sanctified, to be set apart, to be somewhat different. Well, so here's my question for you. All of us who are in this room this morning, who are believers in Jesus Christ, would it be safe for me to assume that you are a little bit different than some of the other people who live in the world? Would that be safe? I had an experience last Wednesday, this past Wednesday night. I was in Phoenix. And I was sitting, I was in a hotel in, by the airport in Phoenix, and I was sitting outside around the pool, and they had these big fire pits, and it was really, really nice weather. It was like 65, 70 degrees, and it was just a beautiful evening to be sitting there. And there was this group of people who, who all worked with this one company. And I'm sitting on the other side of, of the, uh, uh, the, the courtyard area by one of the fire pits, and this group of 12 or 15 people are sitting on the other side by another fire pit. And one of the gals that's in the group says, hey, I have this fun activity for us to do as a group. And she starts reading off these questions. And the questions were not questions that I would ever want to read in front of a group of people, especially men and women. Because it was questions like, how many sex partners have you had at once? And she went on with, thank you very much. If you could just set that right up here, that's perfect. Thank you. That's perfect. I told you it takes three to carry this thing. And she asked a bunch of really totally ridiculous questions that should never be asked in a group of people. But they all thought it was cool. And they all laughed at it. And they started telling answers to these crazy questions. I ended up finally just having to leave because I was just kind of embarrassed for the whole group. I hope I'm a little different than that. I hope you're a little different than that. How do you conduct yourselves when you're around people? If we were to show up at your place of business, wherever it is that you do your work, your job, or if we were to show up at your favorite restaurant or your favorite coffee shop, wherever it is that you frequent, and people know you who are there, if we were to show up and just kind of ask general generic questions, hey, do you know Ed? He comes in here occasionally. What, what kind of person is Ed? Hey, you know Javon? What kind of guy is Javon? What, what does he do around here? 
had an interesting experience some years ago. I was working with a church in Alpharetta, North Fulton County, and they were developing this huge gated community, building a golf course with gated community and big fancy houses like they do in the Alpharetta community. And I, and I met this individual who actually was a member of the church at the North Atlanta Church of Christ. And he was an engineer that was working on this project. And we started talking about this neighborhood and, and the planned community and, and the houses and the golf courses and all these things. And he says, you know, everything is going great. He said, but we have this one little piece of property that's sitting right in the middle of what is going to be the ninth fairway of the golf course. And we're having amazing difficulties with the owner of this property, trying to secure the land and do all the things. And I said, really? And, and for some reason, I don't even know why, but he told me the name of the person that owned that property. And he told me all the challenges and all the difficulties and the hardships that they had in dealing with this guy and how obstinate and mean-spirited and horribly no good he was. And come to find out, that guy goes to church with me. Holy. He's called us to be holy. Holy. He's called us to be different. People around us are going to do crazy things. That's just people. They're going to say things. They're going to do things that are off the wall, not very colorful or extremely colorful, whichever way you want to describe that. And you and I have a choice then as to how we're going to interact or not interact. We get to decide if we'll stay or leave. We get to decide if we're going to speak out or not speak out or engage or not engage. But through it all, whatever it is that we decide, God has called us to be holy. You see, we're sanctified in Christ Jesus. Robert alluded to this in his comments before we took the communion. He said that we have been washed in the blood of Jesus. We have been cleansed. We have been purified. We have been made holy because he is holy. And he calls us to be that way. Whether you're doing what you think you should be doing or not. He says in verse 3, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. My wife participates in a quilting ministry. Guess what the name of it is? In the Lord Jesus Christ. No, it's called grace and peace. That's the name of it. Grace and peace. Two amazing words. Grace. Grace. God's grace. When you and I don't get that which we do deserve. Anyone have a perfect Saturday? I was on a sailboat. It couldn't have been all bad. But did I live perfectly Saturday? Mm, no. How about Friday? Last Tuesday? How about this afternoon? And I know we're not all wild, crazy, rebellious sinners who are just doing whatever we want to do, but I also know that there are times when even though we are in Christ and we are cleansed, there are times and there are circumstances and there are things that happen in our lives that cause us to do something that we could consider um, sinful. And God's grace, through the cleansing blood of Jesus, continues to cleanse us and allow us to stand before him holy. Yes, praise God. Because if it were not for that, we would all go straight to hell.
but we do have grace. And the most amazing thing about that grace is it should also give us peace. There are a lot of people in the world that that are filled with anxiety. They're filled with worry. They're filled with things that are going on because maybe we have something wrong with us. Physically, we have something wrong and we're concerned about it because we don't know what it is. Or maybe there's something about us that we just can't seem to get straight. There are a lot of people that I know that are even believers who are Christians who seem to have trouble. They seem to keep doing the same things over and over again. And they don't want to, but they keep doing them over and over again. And they're like, what is wrong with me? Nothing. There's nothing wrong with you. You're absolutely the way God made you. The challenge is we just live in an imperfect world and there's that imperfection about us that keeps showing up. Even when we don't want to show up, it shows up. It's kind of like the blemishes that we may have on our face or on our hands. or I'm, I'm getting what I refer to lovingly as old man skin. Some of you know what that is because you're old. It's when you just look at your arm and it goes boop and you have this bruise thing and it looks like it's going to just fall off your arm and bleed and go crazy and I have this old man's skin. My grandfather had it. I inherited it from him. I can't change that. Someone told me to take collagen. I don't know how to spell it or I could take it, but I don't know how to get it. I don't know if it's an internal thing or an ointment you rub on, but I'm sure I could probably do something, but even if I do something, it doesn't remove the blemish because it is, it is what it is. And we all have those blemishes. Some of them are spiritual. And we all have them. Praise be to God, His grace cleanses us. And when His grace cleanses us, we can have peace because it's promised of God. Jesus said, peace be with you. My peace I give to you. So why don't we have peace? Because we let things in the world get in the way. We let a whole lot of things that we really may not even have any control over, or we do have control over, but we choose not to take control over them. We allow those things to cause us to have an unpeaceful evening or day or week or month or whatever it is. But Jesus promised us peace. We're enriched in every way. You see, we have everything that we need to do what God has called us to do. It's just we have to figure out exactly what our calling is. Because Paul said in the first, in the, in the first chapter, verses 4 and 5, he says, I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all of your knowledge. Have you ever found yourself in a conversation with someone? Maybe, maybe it's even a Bible study. Maybe it's even they're asking you a question about Jesus or something like that. And you don't even know where the answer came from. But all of a sudden, in the middle of the conversation, you say exactly the right thing. And when you leave there, you're like, I have no idea where that came from. Has that ever happened to you? I do that every Sunday when I walk out of the pulpit. I have no idea where this stuff comes from. Except God. Chris thinks I memorize it all. I haven't memorized any of it. Some of you may be thinking, I wish you had. (laughs) But I'm sharing with you guys, God has given you exactly what you need in all of your speaking and in your knowledge. And just at the moment when you don't think you know what to say, bam, God through His Spirit or whatever it is that works in you, He gives you the words to say. 
And you don't remember where that verse of Scripture is or you don't remember that story. But in the middle of the conversation, in the heat of the moment, when you need exactly that story, all of a sudden, wham, it shows up. Because that's God's promise. He's given you everything that you need to do all the work He's called you to do. <coughs> Believe it or not, we have all the spiritual gifts that we need. Now I've shared with you before, and I don't mind sharing again, I don't have the gift of healing yet. Do you notice I said yet? I don't have it yet. I, I don't have the gift of speaking in other languages yet. Maybe God will give that to me someday. I don't know. I'm not going to say he can't, because he did before. He might do it again. But I don't have those yet. But what I do have, I like to use. But he's given us the gifts that we need. Paul says, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. We don't lack any spiritual gifts. We did a wonderful survey of all the members of the church here a few months ago. And guess what? We're the most balanced, spiritually gifted church I've ever seen in my life. In the pie chart, we all had like 15% of everything. <coughs> Excuse me. Guys, God has given us what we need. The question is, uh, what are we doing with what he's given us? We don't lack any spiritual gift. But I am curious if we're eagerly awaiting the return of the Lord. That I do wonder about. And I know why we don't sometimes. I really do get it. I mean, it's only been like, what, 1,972 years since Jesus was here, physically on the earth? <clears throat> and those that were around in the first century after he had ascended, like around the Apostle Paul and Peter, they were anxiously awaiting the return of the Lord. And they would sit on the side of the hill and wait on him. And Paul would say, if a man won't work, neither let him eat. There's probably a reason he said that. Because there are people who are just waiting on Jesus to come back. Because they lived in an anxious anticipation of his imminent return. And all of a sudden, a generation or two died and Jesus didn't show up. And here we are. However many generations have passed <clears throat> since the first century ended. But do you eagerly wait? For the return of the Lord. Occasionally, I don't do it every day, but occasionally I will go to this little thing called YouTube, you know what that is? And I watch hymns being sung by different groups, different individuals. There's a song that Alan Jackson wrote, and I don't even remember the title of it. But it's something about strolling through heaven with the one that you love. That was my mom's favorite song about the time that my dad passed away. And I've watched this little girl, Carrie Underwood, sing How Great Thou Art so many times. I don't even remember how many times I've watched her sing that. And every time I see it, there's a little tear comes into my eye. <clears throat> and I was watching yesterday this little guy named Vince Gill. I say little because he's like six foot four. And he had a group of kids, literally, there were kids, maybe 19, 20, 22 year old kids in his house, in his studio, in his home. And he picked up a couple of guitars and he handed one to a kid that was sitting there and he played on the other one and he started 
playing the chords to How Great Thou Art, and this young lady whose name I have no idea, she started singing that song, and it was, it was angelic. And it caused a tear to come in my eye. And I can't help but wonder if anything can happen in your life that would cause you to have that kind of emotional experience and eagerly expecting and anticipating Jesus to come. It's not easy living in 2018 when Jesus was probably 18 or 20 years old, 2,000 years ago. You're the best, man. Thanks. Not only has your wife trained your son well, she trained you well. Because Michael covered for the offering and he just brought me water. Thank you. Almost 2,000 years we've been waiting on him. And we come in here every Sunday and we sing these songs. And we share in the communion to remember and to reflect and to project forward his, the anticipation of his coming, Robert. But I just wonder, really, are you anxiously awaiting his return? And you know what? Even if he doesn't come back for 100 years, guess what's going to happen? <clears throat> you're not going to be here. And you're going to go meet him. So whether he comes early or you go early, one of us is going to meet the other within the next few years. Next year I get to turn 60. Now the beauty of it is I get to turn 59 before 60 because my birthday isn't until October, so I'm not even 59 yet. But next year I get to turn 60, and next year I get to have been married for 40 years. It's pretty cool, huh? 40 And I wouldn't trade anything in the world for that, with the exception of one thing. I really wish Jesus would just come and take us home. I love my wife. I love my kids. And I'm on the verge of maybe having a daughter-in-law. And that's just cool. <laughs> and I got a grand dog. If you don't know what a grand dog is, I'll show you a picture when we finish here today. Are you eagerly awaiting Jesus? That's all I'm asking you. And if you're not, man, we need to have some soul-searching, gut-wrenching prayer with you to figure out why. <coughs> I buried my dad almost eight, six years ago now. He's at peace. He was 76 when he died. Does that mean I got 17 years? I keep telling Lynn I'm going to live to 105. She's like, great, I'm gone. I ain't staying around you that long. And that's okay. I'll find me a young girl that'll marry me when I'm 92. He calls us to be strong to the end. God will keep you strong to the end so that you'll be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me. Who did it say will keep you strong? He will keep you strong. He didn't say you be strong to the end. <clears throat> he didn't say suck it up. He didn't say pull yourself up by the bootstraps. He didn't say can't you do this? 
He said, He will keep you strong. Jesus the Lord Christ, the Holy Spirit of God, God Himself will keep you strong to the end. You want to know why? Because He's given you everything you need to be the man and the woman and the child of God that He needs you to be. We just got to figure out what He wants us to be. God is faithful. God, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Amen? Yes. But who is the most faithful of us all? The Lord God Almighty. He's promised you all of this stuff. He's not going to let you down. He's given you everything you need to know to say what you need to say. He's given you the knowledge that you need to do whatever it is that you need to do. He's given you the strength to go do whatever it is that He's called you to do. He's given you the wisdom and the knowledge and the spirit and the words to do whatever. But here's how we sit. And we plop ourselves down in a pew And that's about how we look sometimes. I got you all excited. Guys, God has called us to do great things. I don't know what your great thing is, but he's called you to do something great. There's an amazing excerpt from a book I want to share with you. I've never read the book, but after seeing this excerpt, I think I should read the book. Marianne Williams in a book entitled A Return to Love. She writes this. I first heard this in a movie about a basketball coach who was quitting. The sad part is, the guys that produced the movie took God out of the quote, but I'm putting God in the quote because she left it in there. So listen to this very carefully. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant or gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just the same. It's not just some of us and some of us. It's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. I don't think she was a preacher, but she should have been. Because that is a powerful statement. Our greatest fear, our greatest fear is that we could do something great. And the reason we have that fear is because Satan tricks us into believing we're not quite ready to do what God needs us to do. And I'm here to tell you this morning, church, that every single one of us in this place are ready to do what God needs us to do. Every single one of us, we have everything that we need. 
all the time. Paul is going to say a little bit further in this letter, God is able to give you all grace so that in all things, at all times, you will have everything you need to do the work in the kingdom. So my question to you, are you ready? Are you ready? Now, I know the answer to that. And the answer is, you have everything you need to be ready. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Because fear is a non-entity, except between your own ears. It's the only place it can live, is in your own mind. God said, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but what? Of power and of love and of a sound mind. And he's given all of that to you by the presence of his spirit. If we can help you in any way this morning to come to God and to lay your fears at the foot of the cross, we'd like to do that. Because I'm telling you guys, God is calling us to do some great things, but he needs all of us engaged in whatever ministry he's called us to do. And it's not formal ministry. It's not program ministry. It's you on the street being where you are every day, being the child of God he's called you to be. If we can help you in any way, come. Let's stand and sing this song. Skeeter's going to lead us in this song. I know that my Redeemer lives. May we sing it with all of our hearts and raise the roof so that people around us know we're truly God's child. Skeeter, come lead us. I know that my